There you go. Record. Here we are. Hi, everybody. It's Witchy Bites. Um, Hatter and I have been talking for like an, an hour. hour and a half, just gas bagging. Yeah. <laughs> You're glad they weren't recorded, trust us. It was serious and heavy, and then it was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm Liz. And I'm Hanny, and we're Witchy Bites. We're Witchy Bites! Yay! We need a proper introduction. <sighs> One day. <laughs> Maybe. One day. If someone out there is creative <laughs> yeah. and wants to take pity on us, we'll take the pity. <laughs> so today, uh, Hannah and I have decided to go with a bit more of a, I guess, traditional podcast route and we're taking, uh, we're talking, talking? We're talking about our own topics so yes i'm talking about waddle today especially coming into the early stages of pre-spring early stages mid stages it's just pre it's in bulk today it is happy in bulk liz (laughs) (laughs) yes by the time it gets to you guys it'll it'll be a bit later but that's yeah that's that's okay my topic will be a bit more relevant in a couple of weeks i think um, yes. And mine's more relevant now. <laughs> what are you talking about, Hannah? I am talking about Bridget, the goddess, or Breed, or Brige, as some people call her. I'll call her Bridget through my talk because I have written Bridget down, so that will make it easier for me. I was going to say Breed because that's or is it Bride? Are the two Irish pronunciations, Irish Celtic pronunciations? But I'll call her Bridget. Yes. So she's the Imbolg is her fe- festival, her feast. Did you nearly so, say fetish? I did not almost say fetish. That <laughs> okay, was that had nothing to do with what we were talking about earlier. Tradies. Tradies in Brisbane. Yes, look it up. Fetishes, news, Google it or not. We're not saying anymore and it's this is a PG-rated podcast, and it's going to stay that oh, way. Oh God, no! How, do you know how much we freaking swear? <laughs> Although I True. end up usually editing half of those out because. I okay, just, fair. You know, it's like it's a low should... M rating. Fair <laughs> enough. We do have a disclaimer, so no. <laughs> it was a good conversation. Um, we're glad it wasn't recorded. Okay, so we've got a sort of early spring theme happening with this episode. And we're trying to be serious, we promise. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's us. No, I'm actually really quite serious sometimes. So, do you want me to start? Yes. All right, so I'm talking about Waddle, which is um, a very popular or very common plant, mm. bunch of plants, family in um, Australia. Um, so, acacia is mostly found in Australia. I think we have like over 900 species. It's insane. Whoa. I know, we have heaps. The other place that it's most commonly found is Africa. So Oh, also that's kind of cool. Yeah, which is really interesting. There are some like islands above the north of Australia, like Papua mm-hmm. New Guinea and places like that that also have wattles. So and then as Do they have it in New Zealand? New Zealand? Yes, no. 
It was not mentioned specifically oh. in the okay. Wattle article, but okay. let me have a look at the map. You have a Wattle map? You have Wikipedia, access to it. Uh, oh, okay. No, it's not in New Zealand. So, oh, yeah, okay. it's mostly like that northern yep. up bit and then a bit of, yeah. Anyway, that's the acacia species um, mm-hmm. that I'm talking about at the moment. So there might be other things that are sort of around there in the Fabiaceae mm. family, my favourite plant family. The fact that I have a favourite plant family is probably a bit weird. But anyway... It is my favourite. I love the family. You can tell who the person is who studied any kind of science out of the two of us, and it was not me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm probably going to pronounce everything really badly. But anyway. I won't know, so so it's fine. (laughs) Apparently, Tasmania is like the place that has the lowest um, representation of wattle, like in latitude and longitude. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. so that's really cool. So I kind of was excited by that. I, was, I love those things where we're like the lowest. <laughs> and so um, Tasmania has 21 native acacia species and mm-hmm. seven introduced species. So Okay. Introduced from probably the mainland? Yeah. Would you think? Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm. I did try and steal mm. some wattle from my neighbour and then he said that it was a mainland species and it's declared a weed in Tasmania and... They don't oh. sell it anymore. And I was like, I don't know if that one's edible, so I'm Moving just on. not going to take any of yeah. those. <laughs> it was like, if you find out, you can take some. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's a really important plant here in Australia, and particularly for the ecology around us. It's, it's very dependent on fire. Mm-hmm. So it's like tends to be found in more of the drier places like in abundance but it could be found all up to alpine so you can find everywhere it's quite Mm. widespread it was um, an important symbol for indigenous australians on the northwest Mm -hmm. coast when a particular species of wattle flowered it represented that it was time to migrate from inland to the coast because it meant Mm -hmm. that the coast had an abundance of food so um um, that was the blackwood species which flowers august to october It's been a really abundant plant for such a Mm. long time for so many people. And, yeah, again, it was sort of symbolising that return of spring and that kind of thing, which fits in beautifully within bulk, really. So it's it's really beautiful plant for that. It's also like a uh, food source, like many parts of it are edible. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Mm. so like there are... just, I say this with a disclaimer, but if you're going to go eat acacia, make sure that you know which species are edible because they aren't all edible and some of them have alkaloids, which are oh. not good. Okay. So make sure you know what you're eating. So, um, but some of them you can eat the seed pods. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed, but they have those big, like, because they're part of the pea family, the legume family. Mm. They have pods like snow peas I guess yeah 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 yep and so like the little seeds inside are edible and the pods are also edible depending on the species you can steam them in Mm -hmm. the pods if they're green and if they're dry in summer that's when you harvest them you can get the little seeds out and ground them up and roast them cool roast them and then ground them (laughs) oh yes okay yep 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 yeah they're actually uh low gi high in protein 
good source of magnesium, zinc, calcium, iron, and selenium. So, like, they're really, really wow, yeah, nutrient nutrient. So, if someone wanted, if someone wanted to eat wattle, where mm. would you suggest going to find out about the, uh, an edible species? Like, who would you ask? So, at a at a uh, not a pharmacy, <laughs> at a um, nursery or you could you could ask at a nursery. Uh, there are two Tasmanian-based cookbooks, okay, which are about Australian uh, Tasmanian native edible plants, okay, and they list the species that you can eat in there. So there's probably some for your area, particularly like there mm. might be some books with um, indigenous, uh, like Tucker books, you know that kind of yep. thing. Tucker being food, <laughs> bush food. I better explain um, what Tucker is. <laughs> yeah, in case you don't know, yeah, Tucker's a, a term I suppose used by Aboriginal Australians in some parts of Australia for food. I don't know where it's from actually. I don't either. At my work, because I work at the cookery school, is part of my organisation, and we have a few books about, like modern books about eating Australian foods. So when I go in to work next, I will get the titles as some extra information and We'll put them in the show notes. That's a really well. good idea. Yeah, because yeah. I know there's at least four or five that I can think of off the top of my head that we have copies of. So I'll get the details for you. There's a fair fair bit of information out there now. It's trendy in cooking circles, like in culinary circles now. Australian native foods. Mm. I was going to say that um, there's actually a website for people who produce australian food and they do name the species on there and that's actually recommended in one of the food cooking books that i have so awesome Mm. yeah so i also put the name of the tassie books as well but that's obviously going to be Mm. not specific here to here because like some of the species are available on the mainland as well Mm. so um yeah yeah i'll get the names of the books for like general australia as well because we've got a few That's of those perfect we'll put yay let everyone know because yeah i wouldn't know which piece i didn't know you could eat it i wouldn't know which ones you can eat and which ones you can't so important information there's some that they just don't know they don't know whether they're edible yet because they haven't been i guess they probably haven't asked the right people the yeah. indigenous populations yes and the other thing is that they haven't done testing on them and stuff so yeah like it I do say eat with caution. Mm-hmm. They say mm, that you're more likely to be able to eat them, but there are definitely some that you should not be eating. So make mm. sure you check, check out. Check, 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 check. Ask experts. Yeah. Yes, we're not experts. No. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a staple ingredient for Indigenous Australians through, you know, tens of thousands of years. So, like, mm-hmm. um, it's been really, really important. The seeds can be ground down to flour and used in cakes and breads and casseroles and curries. Mm. Apparently, it has quite a nutty flavour. I haven't tried mm. it. Yum. Yeah, mm. so that would be really exciting. And you can actually use the whole seeds as, like, part of ice cream or in sauces or marinades or even as um, caffeine-free coffee. Apparently, it tastes similar to coffee. Wow. Which makes me really excited. Coffee cake. Yeah. <sighs> Yum. And then you can also use the flowers. So they have really bright yellow flowers. And, of course, some of the species, they start to flower in July. So it's a great symbol for um, in bulk, again, like that returning of spring and the strengthening of the sun and all that kind of thing. So, But you can use the flowers in pancakes and scones. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're in the US, make sure you look up what Australian scones are because they are not the same as your scones. Really? No. No, Ooh, they're not I the same. I did not know that. Oh, okay. I think, yeah. So. Okay. Now I have to check that out the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> what is an American scone like? I have to just make sure I'm not getting confused because it's all tied up in that whole biscuit cookie scone thing. It's oh. like Oh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the gum is edible. The gum from the the trees is a substitute to gum arabic, which is used in incenses and paints and I don't know if they use it in perfume. They use the flowers in perfume, but mm. that kind of thing and even incenses. So yes, uh, I read somewhere that like you can dissolve the gum in water with mm-hmm. some flour d- nectar to make a sweet drink. That's something that the Ooh. indigenous Tasmanians did as well. So cool. um, and that would happen sort of harvested in autumn. So mm. again. Be careful what you eat. I'm not suggesting that you go and harvest a whole bunch of acacia gum and and eat it. The bark contains a lot of tannins. So, you know, again, Mm. just be careful and check your species. But you can make a tea from the bark as well. Mm. So it's a really cool plant. I Like just just really useful without even getting into the magical qualities. And it's something so nutritious. And you've got to wonder if could be also applied to like the nutrition of your soul like that kind of thing that's usually how it runs that kind of thing that's what I think too yeah yeah so the symbolism oh I was going to say yeah the symbolism runs along with with what you can do with it in a sort of mundane sense usually yeah Mm. that's how it seems doesn't it yeah and you can also make a dye from the yellow flowers make a yellow dye which is That's cool because really cool. the yellow the is pretty. Like the flowers look like little suns, as some people say. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty bright yellow. So, yeah. yeah, we should try that. Apparently for a yeah. stronger colour, you've you got to let it marinate. Like the if you put like wool in there or um, yeah. some kind of material, then you want to leave it in there for a long time because that will make mm-hmm. the colour. So, like, you know, really at strong. least overnight. Yeah. yeah. Still, be cool to do. It is really cool to do, yeah. So I uh, went to my property today and um, I saw that I have three species of wattle on my property. I went and cool. was like looking it up in the the mm. the University of Tasmania has a plant identification yep. thing on their website. So I have the blackwood, the silver wattle and the myrtle wattle. So I'm very excited. Ooh, nice. The blackwood yeah. and the silver wattle mm. – potentially are edible the blackwood is i think yes the blackwood is Mm -hmm. the silver wattle i found in one site that it is edible and then on another one they said that there wasn't enough information so you'll leave that one for now i will let you know because yeah (laughs) because i'm gonna make scones using the flowers (laughs) okay so you just are gonna go it yeah, so in one of the cookbooks, they said the flowers are fine, but just make sure you check the pods. So, oh, okay, so you've just gone flowers, so you should be fine. Yeah, so I should be fine. Mm. They said just don't use too many because we're not mm. 100% certain. So I'm like, okay. Mm. So magically. If, I, if I'm doing this mm. podcast on my own next month, you'll know what happened. <laughs> I ate too many acacia flowers, yeah. <laughs> too many silver water flowers. Mm. Uh, yeah. 
I'm sure it'll be fine. So I guess magic-wise, Acacia, in terms of – because I am not at all touching anything to do with Indigenous Australian mysteries. So if there Mm -hmm. are in even stories, it's not my place to tell them. It's not my place to – to share any of that information. I actually don't have any information on that and I didn't look it up because yeah. I do not want to infringe on another culture. So mm. I'm going to talk about the ancient Egyptians. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yes. So you did say it was in Africa, so. I did, mm. yeah. And, of course, like, you mm. know, I have this, like, sort of weird link with mm. ancient Egypt at the moment. So when I saw this, mm. I was like, so it's a really important plant to the ancient it was it was a really important plant to the ancient egyptians Mm -hmm. and it was believed that the first egyptian gods were born beneath the branches of the acacia tree so that's kind of like yeah it's really cool and they thought that the acacia wood was sacred to the goddess Isis. Um, mm-hmm. And they believed that Osiris was in every Nile acacia tree. So, like, it was oh. really, really um, revered. Like, it was really mm. important. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, the stern of the celestial boat of Ra was made of acacia wood as well. So, like, wow. you know, you've got this real high god yeah. stuff with the acacia tree. I don't know. I don't know if this. I didn't look up the species, but apparently, a lot of the African acacia trees have thorns. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and ours do not. So mm. have I don't know if there any do. I know certainly the ones that are on my block don't. Um, mm. So that's just something else because there's like thought. It was thought that Christ's crown. That was used when he was. Yes, yeah. Was made of acacia. Sure, yeah. I, I was going to say sacrificed. I guess he was sacrificed. Um, mm. no, that was. Yeah, so in ancient Egypt, acacia was used for enlightenment and talking with the gods, which is not surprising. Mm. So mm. this is something that I have started to do. I have started treating the acacia on my block like a. A communication tool with spirits and Mm. that includes land spirits and that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. i've only just started so i'll keep you posted like today for in bulk so yeah yay you really have just started yep like literally today (laughs) (laughs) when i read this i was like okay this is what i'm doing this is going to be my my seasonal celebration thing i guess so ancient egyptians also made funeral wreaths from the leaves of acacia and apparently, um, the Hebrews planted a sprig of acacia to make the to mark the graves of departed people. So, like, there's this okay. real thing around it being to do with death and mm, the other world. Yeah, especially yeah, with the Cyrus. Right. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and in Patagonia, the acacia plant was considered a divine altar. So, which oh, is wow. kind of where I've gone with yeah. at my block. And I noticed mm. that I have a rock that the first time I saw it, and this is one of those things where I like get annoyed when I don't go with my intuition. I saw yeah. this rock <laughs> <laughs> at the block near my little winter stream. Mm. And the first time I saw it, I was like, that's my meditation rock. I knew it was my meditation rock as soon as I saw it. Mm. Um, also, when I was standing on a possum, fell out of the tree and missed me by about 10, centimeter, 10 centimetres. <laughs> 
<laughs> one of one of yours or no, this is Ooh. before we'd even bought it. We just went to check it out. Oh, and I went and wow. was like, oh, check out this great meditation rock. And I went and stood on it. And I reckon about 30 seconds later, this possum just fell out of the tree, landed on the ground next to me. It was a juvenile. Oh. And it just sat there stunned. And then it looked at me and it was like, oh, my God, and ran off into the bushes. And I was like, I turned to Luke and I was like, this block is for us. This will be yeah. ours. <laughs> But I noticed that above my meditation rock is mm. um, a blackwood acacia tree. So mm. I was like, yeah, okay, this yeah. is the space. Yeah. This is the space for me to do some stuff. Some of the things that you can do with the acacia plant, the, some of the things I saw online were um, you can use acacia leaves dipped in holy water to consecrate spaces and items. So one of the things I think I will do is go get some of the silver wattle because they have those beautiful sort of long uh, frond-like leaves. Branches, yeah. And dip it in water from the the Huon River because that's a holy place for me Mm -hmm. Um, and use that to consecrate my space. That's nice. I like that idea. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I was really excited Mm. when when it occurred to me that I could do that. (laughs) Burning loose acacia leaves on charcoal um, can be used to communicate with the dead, um, including spiritual phenomena and to help develop psychic abilities. So anything to do with like communication and that kind of thing in any Mm. kind of sense is really Mm. useful. Um, apparently also like rubbing acacia leaves into white candles went really useful when contacting the dead. So cool. it's got a really mm. practical use. Um, any part of the plant can be used to aid in meditation and for personal power work as well. Um, and of course the obvious one is the stirring of spring and the relation yeah. with the yeah. Imbolc festival and that kind yeah. of thing. So, um, and it's also thought that an acacia wand in is something made of wood, acacia wood, um, Mm -hmm. is something that could be used to increase integrity, authority and confidence of the user. And and this website um, was suggesting that it would be really useful if you want to be a spiritual leader to have a wand made out of acacia. Wow. So, Mm. yeah, that's pretty much my spiel about acacia. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know all the... The food stuff was pretty exciting as well. But um, it sounds like it acts as like not open portals, but like, yeah, like almost like it opens a doorway to, you know, you can put it on a candle and it can help you contact the dead, but you can also like use it to purify a space. And a lot of the uses sound like they, yeah, not, not so much a portal, but it acts as a way to help you open a door to the other world or other realms yeah and like highly spiritual kind of yeah that's definitely um what i took from it as well Mm -hmm. um there is some controversy around the relationship and the naming between the species some species Mm -hmm. in africa and some species in australia and whether they're two different distinct groups Mm -hmm. so i highly recommend working with the australian plant and seeing what you get from it because it may be different to um i did look up the the nile species um and it does belong to the fabaceae family so Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah so um i'd say work see what happens i certainly i certainly had a good time hanging out with the lovely acacia species on my block today and uh 
really like the energy of them and um I think that yeah definitely feel like the communication channel is a goer so okay yeah yeah I mean I um, I'm always really interested in Aboriginal spirituality so I'd love to know what how they used it if that was appropriate for us so I might I might try and look that up um and yeah if anyone else is interested try and I'd Look for yourself for that kind of information, anyone else in Australia who wants to know. But um, the Egyptian stuff's also really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason the thing, the thorns, is important. And I'd like to know, mm. I'd like to know why, but it really stood out to me that some of them have thorns and ours don't. And like what, that symbolism was important and I don't know why and I'd like to find out. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them are shrubby and some of them are mm. like really tall trees and that mm. kind of thing. So like um, uh, one of the shrubby species that is on my block, they have like mm. these little spiny points at the end of the leaves. Okay. So like, you know, spines tend to be about like hooking things in and that mm. kind of thing. So, but it's not the same as say blackberries. So for our yeah. species. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still, mm. like, it would be interesting to spend some time working with acacia and seeing what you mm. get, like. And it's so common that yeah. you'll find acacia somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Even if it's one that you can't eat, you can still use it magically. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. you so in- yeah. were so inclined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, mm. the, the altar thing is the thing that I love the most. That's mm. the, the thing that I'll be doing yeah. over the coming months. Yeah. yeah. And you're just having it right there at your meditation rock, I think was just, yeah, because it acts as that doorway or like, I don't know, helps you open that doorway. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay. Mm, tell me about Bridget. So Bridget, she is an Irish goddess, surprise, surprise, coming from me. And her name, in Irish, I think they call her Breed as in breed, breeding, but it's B-R-I-G, I think. Please don't quote me on that if Brian ever listens to this. Um, <laughs> there's also um, a few other spellings, which I didn't write down, but it's great. And she can also be called bride as well with like B-R-I-D-E. And, yes, she's been associated with a fair few other goddesses in different um cultures they're saying that she's equivalent to a few different i read um, minerva and i read dementor as well and i thought that was interesting so she was a member of the tuathdi danan which is the i called them fairies but a race of people who lived in ireland many many years ago one of the invading peoples and they're the ones that they believe became fairies so they came into Ireland and then they went to live under the ground when they warred with one of the other invading peoples that came into Ireland and they became the fairies from that or the fae. Um, she was the daughter of the Dagda who's the good god, he was their king, the Tuathdidanan's king and she was the wife of, it's B-R-E-S, so I don't know if that's Brez, Brez, I don't know either. So much like Liz, I'm sorry if I'm butchering a bunch of the names. 
that's also why I'm sticking to calling her Bridget because I know that's right. Um, <laughs> so she was the wife of, we'll say, Brez, Bress, and he was a Duathti. He became king of the Duathtiunam, but he was a member of one of the other tribes, one of the other peoples who came in, who eventually drove them underground. And I didn't write down the spelling because of that group of people because I can never say it properly. <laughs> um, so he became the Tuathudanang's king, but he wasn't. He was his mother was Tuathudanang and his father wasn't, and so he grew up in the other group of people. And he and Bridget got married to bring about peace. It didn't uh-huh. work, and the Tuathudanang didn't like him. And um, yeah, so <laughs> that went, didn't Awkward. go down well. Did, yeah, or he's. <laughs> Um, and they had one son, I think it's, some things I read said she only had the one son called Ruandan, Ruandan, and there other places said she had three sons, but just, just Bridget, they didn't say only, only Ruandan was called, was said to be the son of Brez, Breeze. So I don't know. A lot of places said she had three sons, so, but not who their dad was, which I thought was interesting. So Bridget's associations. So really generally she's associated with spring, fertility, healing, poetry and smithcraft. But I also read that a whole bunch of other associations, which I, when I get to them I'll tell you. But real <laughs> anything... Besides fertility and spring, and early spring, she was associated with early spring, they're really like um, almost anything you make creatively. So poetry, music I read somewhere, anything that you make with your hands through fire, so anything, any smith craft, so metal work. But I would assume things like um, even glass blowing and things will come into her, her realm because it's things that you create with fire but I also read just mm-hmm. art and craft as well so you know and a lot of real hands-on creative stuff is where she resides is the thing she resides over um fertility childbirth mothering she has a real mothering side a lot of things I read talked about her as the vir- like as a virginal goddess but she also had a real yeah mother there was a real mother aspect to her as well she said to have two sisters, but they're Bridget the Healer and Bridget the Smith. So they're thinking that I read a few things that said she might have been a triple aspect kind of goddess, like she had these sort of, oh. yeah, so not, but not Maiden Mother Crone triple aspect, more like different facets to her personality, to, to what she was in charge of, to what she presides over. Um, okay. Which is really interesting because I, Maybe this is me showing my ignorance. But I haven't read about a goddess. Like I've read about goddesses that are associated with lots of different things and like almost contradictory things. But never one that's been called a triple aspected deity but not the maiden mother crone mm-hmm. kind of thing or not like past, present, future or anything like that, like to do with time. But yeah. this is to do with sort of. Yeah, it's more than just she presides over. She was called a triple triple aspected 
deity because they were her sisters yeah. rather than, you know. Although Remind in saying me, what that. What are they? The smith, smithing, smithing motherhood. Well, Bridget the healer and Bridget the smith. And then there's just yeah. Bridget herself. As a whole. Okay. So, yeah. but then the Morrigan is supposed to be, um, she does have an aspect like that as well because she has her, her other, her sisters with different names. And now I can't remember. That's not good. And they're, they're, they're not a time aspect. They're like, there's the warrior goddess and there's the, the, earth, like the, 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 the sovereign of the land kind of goddess as well. So Maka and, um, they're not. Like, they're not a time thing either. So, there we go. I've already shown that I don't know anything. <laughs> no, but I love <laughs> that. Contradicting like myself. That, that yeah. the mother-daughter relationship there both have that triple aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I am going to talk a little bit about St. Bridget as well. So, if you've got a bit of a thing about Christianity or Catholicism, like if that's a bit triggering because I have her some people it could be I won't be offended if you turn off (laughs) right now (laughs) um so there is a saint of this but that goes by the same name and I read a bit about her Saint Bridget of Kildare and it's pretty much exactly the same her 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 birth story and her um, her origins, some of her mir- miracles in inverted commas, just stuff that's attributed to the goddess almost directly. So it was really just, oh, she sounds like a cool goddess. Let's let's make her a saint, and then they'll keep worshiping. But we can call them Catholics, yes, yeah. Let's convert the masses <sighs> by stealth. So, <laughs> um, so Saint Bridget, stealthishly, yeah. So Saint Bridget. <laughs> And the goddess Bridget have, have, well, in bulk is associated with with Bridget, which is today here in our backwards six months ahead or six months back calendar, whichever you want to, however you want to say that. It's the 1st of February in the Northern Hemisphere. Some places said the 2nd of February. In bulk was actually on the 2nd of February in some places. Um, but round now, six months advance for us in the southern hemisphere and saint bridget has that feast day some things i read said saint bridget was born on the first of february other things also said she died on the first of february so that was all very interesting um saint bridget of kildare is a patron saint of ireland along with patrick and columba and patrick and bridget were supposed to be friends in inverted commas, at, around at the same time. I didn't check dates, so I don't know if they were. But they <laughs> were supposedly got along really well. Uh, so the word Bridget means high or exalted one. I read a few different um, meanings to her name. Mm-hmm. I also read something really interesting that said Bridget was actually her title. So she was the high or exalted one. So they called her Bridget. Mm-hmm. This was more about the saint than... Uh, uh, 
I read it in relation to the goddess and relation to the saint as well. So I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, This is also really interesting. When they talk about the saint, if if she was a real person, there was a suggestion that she was a a chief druid at a temple of the goddess Bridget, which also might bring in why she was called Bridget, either as Mm. the person who became the saint, if she was a person, Mm. or the goddess herself. But there was talk of the saint being a chief druid of the goddess, and that's where it sort of meshed in and became, they became one and it followed along. So there was this person who worshipped the, the goddess Bridget and mm-hmm. she became this saint. But she worshipped as a uh, druid. So she was a druid or a druidess, but that's not technically. Yeah. She was a druid and yeah. from there converted to Catholicism. Yeah. But that sort of carried on. So that's why she became, she went from goddess. to like, yeah. And then there was this other person who was a druid who worshipped the goddess and then she became a saint, uh-huh. which I thought was, okay. I thought I was very interesting. Link. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other interesting things I found that sort of confirmed this in my mind was that St. Bridget founded a monastery at Kildare and it was called, looking at it, I think it's Sildara, but it might be Kildara, uh-huh. but it was spelt with a C instead of a K. Okay. But Kil, K-I-L, I know in the Irish is church. Uh, and Kildara was Church of the Oak, uh-huh. which goes back to the Druid thing. And St. Bridget supposedly founded this monastery, Kildara, on the site of a shrine to Bridget, the uh-huh. goddess. Yeah. And so there are a group of young women who would tend an eternal flame at that site which was under a large oak tree and supposedly no men could go in. There was a, there was, it was like this 20 foot huge pyre with the flame and there was a hedge around it. And any man that tried to go through the hedge or over the hedge to the fire would, was cursed and would die or become crippled or go insane. So that's how, yeah. So that's how that legend went. And there were uh-huh. between 10, I read 9, I read 10, and I read 19 virginal maidens who tended that flame. Wow. So is that kind of like the, like, I guess the nun aspect? like the Yeah. So she founded okay. a monastery. So the saint founded a monastery there on a site yeah. that was yeah. already to the goddess. And they think that the yeah. flame was there before the nuns, before Saint Bridget. So... There was always this site there to Bridget as a goddess. And then Saint Bridget came along, whether or not you believe she, you know, whether or not she was a person, and it just kept going. So whatever, whatever was there was important from a really long time ago, a really, really, really long time ago. And the flame was supposed to be there. The interesting thing about the story of the men and the hedge wall and the no men was that was connected to the saint. So the cursing and the supernatural part of that had to do with the saint. Uh-huh. Not the goddess, uh-huh. yeah. So a lot of the stuff uh-huh. you read about the miracles that bridge attributed to the saint and it was just like, you know, it could, it could have been the goddess. Like it was so, 
mythologized. Yeah, um, I get you. Yeah. Supposedly when Bridget was born, Saint Bridget, um, the story of the saint didn't say what happened to like her father was not very nice. And um, when she was quite young, she didn't have enough to eat or something. Typical of that, like it was 416 or something, like in the 400s um, AD. And so she was suckled by a white cow with red ears. But the white cow is sacred through a lot of the Irish mythology, especially the Tuath Didanan. But this is a story about uh, the saint. So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, so the things mm. that get adopted potentially over time. Like it's yeah, so yeah. M- mashed together. I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so around Imbolg, there is in some parts of Ireland, there is the Biddy Day Festival, which also comes from, from Bridget. I wrote down the name, but I cannot read what that says. That's okay. It's a region in <laughs> mid Kerry which is a county to the south west of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not corn, but it's a hay stuffed dolly. And it's ta- and that's the biddy and it's taken around to rural and public houses and it's to ward off evil spirits from people and animals, so to protect people and animals for the coming year. Mm-hmm. And a visit from the biddy ensured good luck, fertility and prosperity. And it happens on the weekend closest to the 1st of February each year. And it's, this is, I think they said in 2017, one part, one part of the country that does this, one little town had built up a whole festival around it. So they, you know, there was a king of the biddy and there was like, what else did I read? There were a few other like celebrations that built up this whole festival around and that was 2017. So they were still, they're still doing this. Yeah. It it still happens. Yeah. Which I, I thought was great. I want to go so badly. Go away, yeah. COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go away, so go to Ireland yeah. in February. <laughs> yep, for the 1st of February. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a brilliant <laughs> idea. And, but again, this tradition supposedly comes from the saint. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. But you and I, like, and probably a bunch of our listeners go, well, corn dollies on Imbolg, duh. Yeah. 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 So uh, what other little... This is a real, I read, this comes from Wikipedia, a little side note. So in Haitian voodoo, St. Bridget is worshipped as one of the death lowers called Mama Brigitte, 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 and she's Brigitte. a concept, Brigitte, yes, that would be well, thank you. Mama, Br- so Mama and, my conjuring course. <laughs> yes, Mama and Brigitte, so you probably know, and she's a consort of the Baron's Somed. Or Samed, and he's um, Baron Saturday. Which then I got sidetracked and read a whole bunch of articles about voodoo, which had nothing to do with Bridget, but it was really interesting. And she's the only one of the lower who has been imported from not Africa, from somewhere else, from not, not from one of the African Scotland. countries. Yeah, I think it was from Scotland. Mm. So yeah, yeah, to so, do with the people that were living on the um, islands that were. Yep. Yeah, so she's worshipped, which I didn't know this, she's worshipped in the Highlands, which is very appropriate because that's one of her areas that she is involved with, which I'll get to, mm-hmm. um, and the islands of Scotland as well, which I, I didn't even know. So she's not just Irish, so I should have added that to my beginning bit there. 
And she yeah, highly worshipped in the Hebrides. And I love the Hebrides Islands. So that was, I loved that. Anywho, the other interesting thing is my, my ancestors are mostly Irish, but we have a few Scottish people and they're only from the Highlands. So that's where that fits. Ah, yeah, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So the goddess Bridget, another one of her myths or legends, is um, that she invented keening while mourning oh. the death of her son in battle. So the son, where's his name again? Rundan, Rundan, which I'm saying wrong. I know. So he was sent out to battle for the Tuathdidanan for his father against his father's people. So the f- mm-hmm. oh, I can't think how to say it. Foams, who were the invading peoples of another invading tribe of Ireland, and the father's people, the other side of the father's people was from that tribe, and they invaded. And there, I think there were three or four battles with them. And during one of those battles, the second one, I think, the son was sent out into battle as well, like with his father, and he died in the battle and Bridget mourned him by keening for the first time. So it's a mixture of weeping and singing. And it was the first time it had ever been heard in Ireland was when she mourned her son. And up until I think it said the 80s or the 90s in thing, in the, on the website I read, women were employed to come to funerals and to, to keen, to, to weep, like overtly, I think is what yeah, they yeah, said. Yeah, like but that, that, it was, that it was wailing, yeah. the wailing women and it was a job. You yeah. could be employed as a wailing woman. So you'd come to the funeral and you would, yeah, sing, cry. <laughs> so I, that's all, just what I, I kept thinking, ugly cry. But I was like, no, that's not what they mean. It's like but, Dawson Creek, like yeah, yeah, Dawson's yeah. Ugly cry, yeah, yeah not okay. not quite like that. But yeah, I think it, and it's yeah, Keening, and that's where it came from. It came from Bridget. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. It also said she invented wow. a whistle that people use to communicate with each other in at night. But I couldn't imagine how that worked, besides it being like a whistle. You know, a whistle. So yeah. I, didn't write, I didn't write any more about that. The, the keening was much more interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So another interesting thing. So she's the patron of poetry, smith, smithing, medicine, art and craft, cattle and livestock, sacred wells, which I'll get to, and the arrival of early spring. But in Scotland she's also... Um, the patroness i suppose of serpents like that's one of her symbols because there aren't any snakes in ireland but in scotland yeah Yeah. one of her symbols is also the serpent which also gives her like um aside from a bunch of other things like minerva came up then and they talked about how there were a lot of similarities between her and minerva who i don't know very much about yeah she's also the god of of all things that are perceived to be of relatively high dimensions so high flames, high-rising flames, the highlands, hill forts, and upland areas. So anything that's high physically, though not aeroplanes. That she could be interested in aeroplanes. Also activities and states that are lofty or elevated. So wisdom, excellence, perfection. I don't know what that is. High intelligence. I can't read my own writing. 
like po- poetic <laughs> elegance, craftsmanship, healing abilities, skill in warfare, and interestingly, druidic knowledge, which comes back to her being not the goddess herself, but the goddess that was one of her areas, druidic knowledge. And then yeah. that druid, the chief druid that possibly could have become the saint, Bridget. Yeah. 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 So it's all connected. Yeah. But the, yeah, the concept of high, anything high, she probably has a hand in, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So whether it's high up in the air or physically high up on a hill or whatever, or if it's like a high pursuit, like high intellect or high wisdom or something along those lines, she's probably got a hand in it. So hmm. does she have associations with birds because of the high aspect or is it a bit different to that? I didn't read any birds. Okay. At all, which yeah. was interesting because, yeah, I thought, I was like, oh, I wonder what birds. But, yeah, I didn't, more, she has associations with livestock. Yeah. Especially cows, cattle, and ewes yeah. as well in bold. Yeah. 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 So yeah. nothing, so not birds, which is, yes, interesting because I, I was looking. I guess it's more the hills and the mountains yeah. and the, that kind of thing, yeah. So physicality okay. without air, I guess, so maybe no aeroplanes. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad we yeah. figured that out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, high high physicality, but not in the air. There has to be the earth, high bits of the earth. Although it said, yeah, she like high high. What was it? High rising flames. So flames that leap up high. I don't know why that was mentioned, but yeah, she has a I big fire that... aspect. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if that mm. flame was kept alight and it was large, then yeah. I guess that's where that's probably been incorporated. Into I'd assume so, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The other thing they taught, I read, which again I didn't write down, is that, um, oh, now I forgot what I was going to say. She's, she's not a sun goddess. She's associated with the sun, but she's not actually like a sun deity, which I thought was really interesting. So she, the, a lot of her myths were about radiating light and being full of light and fire but not yeah. actually the sun she's not a sun one one i think one website may have said she had she was a sun deity but most didn't like she didn't she wasn't a solar deity she was just associated with the light of of the sun but not actually yeah. the sun itself which is also very interesting yeah, hmm. yeah. Yeah, especially mm. when she's associated with Imbolc and, mm. you know, that... that um, Very much a return of the sun. Mm. Yeah. But not the sun yeah. itself. Like, so she's not the sun or part of the yeah. sun, but yeah. definite radiating light, the return of the sun, but not the sun itself. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. She's not a solar yeah. deity. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, da, da, da. yeah, her name can mean exalted one. And there was one website that claimed that Bridget, i.e. the Exalted One, was actually a title. And this comes back to the saint. So the, the, the myths of the saint, the legend of the saint, there was a woman called, oh, I'm going to mutilate this. Let me look <laughs> at it. Dalu, 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 Daka or Dasha. Dalu Dasha, okay. Dalu Dasha. So the, and that's a woman. It's her name, which I'm not going to say okay. again. It means daughter of <laughs> Lu. 
Oh, so the god, okay. L-U-G-H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Daughter of yeah. Lu. That's what that name means. And this woman appears in like every story of Bridget. There's like a standard story of St. Bridget and she is like this, her, her very close companion, second in command at the monastery. And a few of a few of the, the stories of the saint talk about how they, when they, they started this monastery and they shared a bed, as in they slept in the same bed together, that's how close they were. But there's thoughts that maybe this was the saint. So there weren't two people. Her name originally was uh, actually the name I'm not going to say again. Yeah. <laughs> Daughter Dorably. of Lou. Yeah. And she, that was the name of the actual woman who supposedly became the saint. Is there any relation between the fact that um, Imbolc and um, uh, Lunasar are opposite mm. sides of the calendar? Is there an association there with that or...? Don't know. Don't I know. thought I thought that when it said daughter of Lou, I was like, oh, so there's Lunasa and the god Lou. So, and I had a little look to see if there was like something with Bridget, mm-hmm. like to associate her with Lou. If there is, I'm sorry, but I didn't find it from my quick searching. Yeah, they're just two Celtic gods, or god and a goddess. Um, but it was just so interesting that that woman who was named daughter of Lou. Yeah. And, like they talked about, like they spent, you know, best buds, BFFs. They were yeah. together all the time. And Bridget the Saint helped this woman often. And, you know, there were some miracles attributed to Bridget for this woman. Like she performed miracles on this woman. And, yeah, she was the daughter of Lou. And when St. Bridget died, this woman was the next abbess, abbess in, in the monastery they started in Kildare yeah. so was it yeah. was it the same person who knows I thought that was very interesting mm. because the other thing that they said was the heads of that monastery those abbesses the head abbess I haven't got it written down so I can't my pronunciation is not good and they took on the title they became like sister Bridget all of them were sister Bridget or whatever title it was, they became Bridget yeah. and they took on, they were said to embody the saint. Yeah. So each successive person who became the head of this monastery, well, this, it was called a monastery, nunnery, group yeah. of nuns. Yeah. They took on the title of Bridget. They became the saint because yeah. of this first, this first woman did, like she, she became. But was it because Bridget meant exalted one and it was a title yeah. originally anyway? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Huh. That's very interesting. It is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So that was put forward as a theory. Um, so the eternal flame of Bridget, firstly to the goddess and then the, as the saint, um, there were 19 virgins, in inverted commas. Originally they would have been priestesses, they think, when it was to the goddess before the Christians and the Catholics came through. Yeah. But there were 19 of them and that's to do with the sacred. 19 is sacred to Bridget, the number. Yeah. And so... They think that these 19 women symbolised, uh, I can't 
quite remember. But it's, 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 is it a let? Nine and eight or something. But the double cycle of the moon and the sun, like 19, they say is sacred to the Druids as well. And it's because it's the sun cycle and the moon cycle, like together, like the full thing. And it takes 19 years for all of it to go through the whole zodiac, the full time or something. And I can't quite remember. Because this is me remembering back to like the Obod training, and I can't quite remember. It was mentioned, <laughs> but yeah, nineteen. Yeah. yeah, nineteen is a sacred <laughs> number, and it, it's the full revolution of everything through the zodiac. Once I just can't quite mm-hmm. remember, and it's mm-hmm. sacred to 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 Bridget as well. So these nineteen virgins, probably originally priestesses, when they tended the flame, there is a song they used to sing. And at first, I was like, that sounds rather modern. But I read it on a couple of websites. So something along the lines of this is the, song, the the quick song that they sung while they worked to tend the flame. And <clears throat> Bride, excellent woman, sudden flame, may the fiery bright sun take us to the lasting kingdom. That's all. I liked it though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Cool. So I've only got a couple more things, bits and pieces. <laughs> so the flame, they don't know how long the flame burned. It was really eternal. So from when at least the saint, Bridget was a saint, so in, yeah, when when 419 or whatever AD, through to the Reformation when King Henry VIII suppressed all of the monasteries and all of the churches through England and Ireland was still part of England then. And that was when it was first put out. And so they think there's pretty pretty good archaeological evidence to say that that flame was there for a really, really long time, thousands of years. And that was when finally it was put out then. And so when King Henry VIII came through. Could you imagine how you would feel if you were one of the people in that area? Like, God damn. Yeah, and it was just (laughs) something that was there, like, through generations of your family. Like, it was just the flame up on the hill, behind the bushes, under the oak tree. And the significance and the importance of that and keeping it lit and the mythology or legend and everything that goes with it. And you just got someone come by and go, no, put it out. Hey, I'm the king of a different country. Like, just put it out. Off yeah, you go. yeah. Although yeah. I also read, and I want to look up and see if this is still going, because in two thousand, in nineteen ninety six, a nun um, called. Oh, I didn't write it down. Oh, one of the nuns of Bridget lit the flame again. Good. So I'm hoping Yay. now, or you know, a little while later, that it's still going. But I didn't get a chance to look it up. So that the flame is fed only using hawthorn wood and supposedly it doesn't. Yeah, hawthorn. Hawthorn's all that they feed it, or at least they did. I don't know if they do now. And um, it doesn't produce much ash. They say one of another of the legends around Bridget, saint and goddess, is that the hawthorn doesn't produce very much ash. Uh Mm. I thought that was interesting. Right. It also makes me think about the Hawthorne. Uh, was it Hawthorne that was around the outside of the... Just set a hedge. Don't know. Just a Maybe. Hedge. Just set a hedge. I wonder if it was a Hawthorne hedge. Because then it would be spiky and all those men that try to get through get stabbedies. Yes, maybe that's how they died. They just had little <laughs> blood coming out of their because they spiked to death. 
Um, <laughs> and they did feed the flame Hawthorne exclusively, so it would make sense if it was a Hawthorne hedge. I just mm. wondered, yeah. Yeah, it didn't say. It just said a hedge. Um, so Bridget is also um, goddess of wells, sacred wells, just in general. So if there's a well in Ireland and some of the Scottish Isles, it's probably for Bridget. And well dressing is quite a big thing over in Ireland. When I was there, I saw lots of wells that were well dressed. Ha ha ha. It actually, well dressing, because I had to look it up, originally meant decorating the wells, painting them, but also scattering flower petals around them. Don't know why yeah. that particularly. But the wells, one of the ways that, which I thought was quite funny, one of the ways that they try to, um, Petition Saint Bridget is yeah. by tying clutes to the trees near the wells, which are little strips of cloth. But when I read clutes, I thought it was something naughty, but it wasn't. It was just little strips of cloth. I don't know where, probably cooties. I don't know where I got it from, but yeah. Oh, clutes. okay, you were thinking cooties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> clutes, C-L-O-O-T-I-E-S, and the little strips of cloth. And I saw this and I saw, oh, we went up to the Hill of Tara while I was in Ireland and the trees there were covered in little, little, these little tiny strips of cloth that people had tied to them. I had read elsewhere that they were to, um, to the Fae and they were offerings to the Fae and you write wishes on them and tie them onto the trees, but they're also um, petitions to Bridget, saint um. and goddess. Oh, okay. I was going to mm. say, okay. But she was okay, one of the two cool. of Nan, so that makes sense as well. That that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you said Saint and that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I have two other little tidbits that one's not a tidbit, one's quite personal. But the last little tidbit is there are 43 places called Kilbride, which is Church of Bridget. But there are 43 places called that in Ireland. Ireland's not a very big place. So imagine 43 towns in Tasmania, in a place the size of Tasmania, called the same thing. <laughs> Do you live in Hobart? <laughs> Which one? There are 43 Hobart of them. Hobart near Launceston or Hobart near Burnie? Or <laughs> Hobart near Latrobe? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Kilbride. Kilbride. Forty three Kilbrides. But because it's because so I Church because, of Bridget, yeah. Church of Bridget, yeah. So but yeah. because it's split into counties, I think Oh. It makes more sense. So there's Kilbride in County Louth, there's Kilbride in County yeah. Clare. But yeah. I think there's are there forty seven counties? So almost every one of them of those counties in Ireland has a Kilbride. Plus, there are a few cool. in Wales and in Scotland as well, like variations on Church of Bridget. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, I love it so much. So that's all my little tidbits about Bridget. She was very fascinating. But I will end on this. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this on the podcast because I haven't really talked about it. But the Morrigan is one of... Is, one of my patrons, my patrons are all scary and um, demanding of me. 
and sometimes it's a bit difficult to work with them because some of them are quite dark gods and goddesses, but I go with it. They're just the ones that have come forward. But Brit- the Morrigan is one of is one of my patrons, and she's an interesting person, creature, deity to work with. When I started this research, I started it this yesterday, and I had an idea of what I was going to talk about for this podcast, this episode of the podcast, and I, we will talk about it. And I started looking into it, but it just, it wasn't quite coming together. And I woke up this morning, I was like, oh my God, I have to talk about something. So I put the other idea aside and I thought, okay, it's in bulk, I'll look into Bridget. I've always had a bit of a fascination with her. I haven't looked into her much. I know there's a saint. Oh, oh, it fits because Liz, you knew you were going to talk about Acacia, so there was a bit of a spring theme. And earlier this morning, I was writing about like doing morning pages, and I was like, "There's something really important I have to write about. There's something really important that I have to research and look into and share in the podcast." I still didn't really know what it was, but I knew that there was something important. So I just said, okay, I'll look, I'll look into Bridget because I've always quite liked that goddess. only know a little bit about her, fire, something with fire. She was a saint and that was it. So I researched and I found all those little tidbits and I sort of put them together and then on the last website that I looked at, because I'd seen that her father was the Dagda, the great god, the good god, and it just didn't say who her mother was. And I tried to find out and I was like, oh, well, I can't find out. I'll just say she's the daughter of the Dagda. That's fine. That's enough. You know, this doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not claiming to be a Bridget expert. <laughs> <laughs> so on one of the, when I, I'd looked through everything and I, I was like, I've gotten a bit, few bits and pieces, got about half an hour's worth of material. There's some interesting little tidbits about it I can put in there. I'm done. And I was reading one last web page, see if there was anything I was missing. Though there were a few things that I should have written down. But anyway, and I was like, no, I've got all that, got all that, got all that. Basically, that's cool. I'm done. And then it said at the end, oh, father of Bridget was the Dagda. Mother of Bridget was the Morrigan, my patron. And I thought, oh, Okay, one of my first interactions with the Morrigan, I was a little bit unsure, like she was quite forceful and I was like, what, what do you want me to do? I assume you, you, you want me to be your priestess. And she got really angry. She was like, no, 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 no. You're, no, I don't, no, priestess, no, no, no. You're more like my daughter. You're the daughter of the Morrigan. That's what you are. You're, going, you're the daughter of the Morrigan. That's almost like a title. Sort of. And I was, I never really understood what that meant, like what she meant by that. And now I've researched Bridget and she's the daughter of the Morrigan. And Bridget's also a title. So I think that has something, it was important. And I had this flash of like, this is really important. Sorry. <laughs> I will keep you all up to date. And I'm really excited as Bridget's obviously going to, seems to be an important part of my practice now, like an important part of my own mythos. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you've been told. <laughs> yeah, and it's very typical yeah. of the Morrigan. and she does stuff like this. Like she, I'll have like big stretches of time where I almost don't interact with her. Like I just keep doing the things that she's told me to do and I feel that she's not exactly close and then suddenly it's like, bam, she's right in my face. You're doing this now. And this is just one of those times. So daughter of the Morrigan is Bridget and I have to look into that. Yeah, mm. that's so exciting. Yeah. That's so exciting. So that, Are you and, excited? I'm, I am. As with everything <laughs> with like, the Morrigan. Ah! Yeah, as with everything with the Morrigan, I'm kind of also feeling quite a bit of trepidation because who knows where of that course. will lead. And she usually makes yeah. me take big leaps of faith into the unknown and pushes me far out of my comfort zone. It's <laughs> what she does. She's not a war mm-hmm. goddess and a goddess of battle for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but Bridget seems much nicer and softer and that's that's I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was exciting and I haven't formulated exactly what it will mean yet or, or where it will take me. Yeah. But that's well, you've only heard it today, so that's I really what's so... Heard it today, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's also very typical of her. She's like, here's some information that's like completely left of field. Off you go. You figure it out now. <laughs> and like, I'll try to meditate and talk to her and say, nah, you've got everything you need. I, off I go. I've done it. I've done yeah, it. You have to figure it, it out now. Go Off you go. It. Yeah. She is the Adidas. Hold your hand. I mean, she is the Nike tick. Just do it. Oh, yeah. Just do it. She is not sponsored. Yeah, <laughs> not sponsored. So, yeah. So, yes, that was like the big finale to my research into Bridget. So, it was pretty, it was pretty exciting. That's really exciting. Yeah. A little scary. Um, Important. Thank you for sharing that yeah. with yeah. us, all of us. It's <laughs> oh. an exciting and big it thing. Is. It is. So, yes, if anyone has any profound insights into Bridget or the Morrigan, I would be more than happy to hear them. Please let us know if you are comfortable in sharing. Yeah, because mm. there are people out there that you do hear have her as their patron, So, yeah. um, which sounds like yours is a little bit different because your patron's the mother. mother. But, um, There's yeah. definitely, definitely something there that I have to look into, so... Absolutely. Yeah, the Ooh, stuff of, that's the so stuff, exciting. The stuff about Bridget being a title, as in the exalted one, it's like, oh, what, does, what does that mean? What do I have to do now? <laughs> I don't know. It kind of makes me think, oh, my gosh. I kind of think of Game of Thrones and I think of Khaleesi, like how everyone calls, you yep. know. Um, mm. Yeah, like it's that kind of thing. That's, I've got to go to pop culture. That's where all my oh, yeah. is. Well. I was trying to find out. Um, I went to the Kildare um, wet church website about the perpetual flame and I was trying to find mm. out if it's still alight. Oh, and yes. And I don't mention it. So oh, I'm just, I'm just, they said it was relit in, um, uh, by the nun in, mm. they said 1993, um, okay. by Mary Teresa Cullen. Okay. Um, I had but, different name too. So I believe them uh-huh, over so what I read. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it doesn't say if it's still alive. They said they've built something in the in the um, in the square, but it doesn't yep. say if it's still alive. So oh, I'm not sure. Is. I hope it is. Yeah, 
yeah. somewhere to go. We didn't get to go to Kildare. My mum really wanted to go there when That's we went last bugger. time. So that would have next time we could go together. Mm. We can go in yeah. and February post COVID. Post, yeah, 20, <laughs> 22, 25. 25. <laughs> yeah, it's probably I don't know how long this is going to be around for. Oh, God. But, um, yeah. 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 Huh. Well, honey, that was really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, and thank you. I liked your talk on Acacia. I did not know very much about Acacia at all. 900, did you say? 900? Oh, I, I, I did pull that number out of my ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a real lot. I was like, 900, 900 types no, of bottles. Here we go. It turned out that one lineage comprising over 900 species, mainly native to Australia, was yeah. not closely related to the mainly African lineage. So that's part of the the debate around the naming so yeah. okay i didn't i didn't make it up i did read that yeah you did i was surprised <laughs> that you a... would make it up 900 <laughs> <laughs> and the african I mean, ones might be separate my god it's huge family I that's to do with the lineage so no, i don't know but anyway i have to Still. look closer but um yeah i like peas <laughs> yeah. and so, legumes <laughs> yeah i'd probably like it to eat as long as it wasn't yeah. one of the scary ones. They've got some really pretty flowers in that. They do. The family. I love yeah. it. I love and, the, I, and I mean, it's it's really Australian. Like people, well, I think maybe not people outside of Australia, but when I think of Australian plants, I think of wattle. Bright well, yellow wattle. We have wattles, a wattle day. So, yeah. We have a, a national wattle day yeah. in September, which I was going to mention about that I completely forgot. There's a national <laughs> wattle day in September mentioned. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, it's a pretty important plant to our symbolism as a whole, as a country. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it's kind of nice, like, to think that, yes, there was all the stuff around invasion and that's really awful and colonisation of Australia, but mm. it was an important plant to the Indigenous people here and now it's yeah. an important part of our symbolism too. I don't like to think that we took that. I would rather think that it's a continuation of it. It's an important plant or group well, of Well, yeah, plants. we live here. It's in our landscape. It's incredibly yeah. common and mm. um, it's related to fire, which is how mm. um, the indigenous populations helped yeah. make food supplies and manage mm. the landscape mm. and all that kind of stuff. So, um, mm. yeah, there's so many so many things around that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So mm. uh, if there are any um, indigenous Australian listeners that are – able or willing to talk to us about oh yes anything oh, like anything if you're you witches can share who are indigenous and just about even just your practice like just anything we would really love to hear from you so. oh yeah uh, that would actually be a dream to to have someone who could come onto the podcast and talk about their not not even magical practice but any Indigenous mm. cultural knowledge that they can share, that is okay for them to share. Because I just yeah. I just think the more we know about each other, the better for things that we can share. And it just, I feel so much like I would like to know more about their culture. So, Yeah, and I think mm. like one of the things that's really come up with the Black Lives Matter movement is mm. that 
we really aren't listening very well. No. And I really want to listen. So, yeah. Um, and especially in our witch community as well because, yeah, definitely, you know, it's so important. Mm. And understanding yeah. other people's connections to, to where they live and the place that their ancestors come from because it's until you've gone there, for us who have come from there, until you go there and feel it, it's you don't get it. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. We haven't been here for very long at all, like my family, like my personal think experience. Think of an eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'd like to, to understand more about their connection and, and I would hold that knowledge as a real sacred thing, like it's – yeah, I can't really describe it. So it would be really nice to hear from them themselves. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably a really good place to to pause this conversation and hopefully mm. we can pick it up again with someone uh, from the Indigenous Australian community. Oh, it'd be wonderful, um, really wonderful if they can. Yeah. And even like Maori community as well Mm. you know we'd love to hear from you because we're all in Mm. the southern hemisphere so Mm -hmm. um yeah all right Mm. thank you for listening everyone and thank you lizzie for sharing thank you honey and we'll catch you at the next one Mm. Bye. bye everyone bye